Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Uh, uh, Drew, Drew and Scarlett, you, you've said in your spirit, oh, oh, we, oh we're not going to get any help at all, Lord. Oh, we're not going to get any help. Where's, my, where's the Word? Where's the, where's the encouragement? Where's the, where's the one that would stand by? No, no, there's another level of faith which you should be pressing toward. Pressing upward toward the attacks that have come against your life, the attacks that have come against that which you desire to do. It's the enemy and it's his last arrow. It's his last arrow that's trying to keep you from the next level. So go ahead and declare your victory. Go ahead and declare you've overcome. Go ahead and stand strong in the faith that is in your heart. And the Lord says, by the time the summer sun warms the waters of the area, it'll all be over and it'll all be turned around. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Well, we're going to begin this morning a series. I know we'll go at least eight weeks on it, maybe as long as 10 to 12 weeks, teaching on the subject of redemption. My favorite subject to teach on. Years ago, I heard a tremendous man of God make this statement. I thought it was so true. He said, if we can have a revelation, reality, of what God has done for us in Christ, what we have in Christ, and what we can do in Christ, along with the concept, the truth, and the reality of faith that operates it all, we'll live an overcoming life here on the earth no matter what happens. No matter what happens. You know, if you see who you be, it will change what you do. Amen. Let me say that again. If you see who you be, it will change what you do. So much of our identification comes from sources in which we embrace and we celebrate, but in reality, that's not the real reality of your life. You may think you're a man, a woman. You may think you're black, white, Hispanic, Oriental. It really doesn't matter what you think. What you got born again, none of that's relevant anymore. You're now what the Bible calls in Christ. Doesn't matter what the color of your skin is. Doesn't matter how tall or short you are. Doesn't matter what your gender is, how much money you do or don't have, or what location or, or, or general area that you live in in the world. Once you become a believer, you are a child of God. You are in Christ, and God sees you that way. He doesn't see you according to where you live or what color you are. What, he only sees you according to what His Word says. All of the people in the Word of God that had great manifestations of God, God had to change the way they viewed themselves. Moses, Moses didn't view his way, himself the way God saw him. Uh, Gideon didn't view himself uh, uh, the way God saw him. Mary, when the, when the angel came, uh, the first thing that God did through that angel was to speak to her and to tell her, this is how I see you. You may see yourself this way, but this is how I see you. And when we begin to see ourselves the way God sees us, it will radically change our lives. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. Let me say that again. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You were a poor old sinner, but grace saved you. Now you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're not poor trying to get rich. You're the already rich of God using the word of God, tithing and offering to appropriate all the money that you need as you live here on this earth. You're not sick trying to get healed. You are the healed of God using the word of God to fight off every symptom of sickness. And they say, well, pastor, it's just how you look at it. You're exactly right. It's just how you look at it. Just like everything else in life, it's just how you look at it. And if you look at it according to the standard of the Word of God, 
how you look at it will radically change you. So I want us to begin. First of all, let's run to Romans before we go to Genesis. I want us to see something here in Romans. Romans chapter 5. We'll use two scriptures, Romans 5, 12 and 5, 15. Uh, we'll use this kind of a jumping off scripture. Then we'll go into creation this morning. Now notice there, Romans 5 verse 12. It says, wherefore as by one man, everybody say one man. Wherefore as by one man, sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Now, People would say this, say, well, you know, I know people that are pretty good. But listen, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. Jesus came to make dead people alive. Because we'll find out as we study redemption that what the word death is in its relation to humanity and the human experience is death is not the cessation of life. Death means separation. Everybody say separation. So when one man, everybody say one man. When one man sinned, Death entered in. Separation from God entered in. But thank God, the dumb devil, everybody say dumb devil. The dumb devil caused one man to sin. That gave God the right to use one man to redeem us. Now, look at verse 15. It says, but not as the offense, that's that one man's sin, but so also is the free gift, that's redemption. For if through the offense of one many be dead or separated from God, I like the next two words, much more. Much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. You must understand that the redemption that God has provided for us in Christ Jesus is out of proportion to that which the enemy caused through the fall. That means salvation and righteousness is bigger than sin. Oh, I should have got a better, a better not just a little bit bigger, a whole lot bigger. That means healing is a whole lot bigger than sickness and disease. That means prosperity is a whole lot bigger than poverty. And that means joy and peace is a whole lot bigger than depression. Amen. I think a lot of people, they measure Jesus as about six foot one and measure the devil at about five, eight and a half, when actually the Bible says his measurements are this, under our feet. You want to measure the devil? How much space can you get in between your shoe and the ground? Let me try that again. You want to measure the devil? How much space can you get in between your shoe and the ground? That's how big he is. Mm -mm. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to start right in the beginning. Anybody know what the word Genesis means? Beginning. Very good. Now notice real quick. Chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Now, first of all, let's establish something right here. I in no way, you choose how you believe, I in no way adhere to any doctrine that submits to any type of, quote, theory. You say, what do you mean? I do not believe God used the Big Bang Theory. I do not believe God used evolution. Say, so, well, we believe in God, but you know, He used evolution. Listen, evolution is still a theory. Where are my, where are my college students at? It's still a theory. They still have not proved anything that has to do with what I like to call from the goo to the zoo to you. That is not relevant. 
God is a creator, and we'll see in a little bit where he created us. But God in the beginning, in the origins, the beginnings of time, God created. God created. Everything that is was created, not evolved. I need to get a better amen on that one right there. I know it's 2013, and a lot of churches have kind of pulled back from that. A lot of churches have said, well, you know, we want to adhere to, we want to make everybody happy, so we want to kind of be all-inclusive. So if you believe that there may have been a little bit of evolution, if you may, if you believe there's a little bit of Big Bang, a little bit of evolution, a little bit of creation, that's okay. Not with me. I said, not with me. My God, that's the word Elohim. That word was so holy to the Jewish people that every time they were writing the parchments of the Torah and it came to the word Elohim, they went, they undressed, they ceremonially bathed and cleansed themselves and came back to their writing before they would write that word. That's God the Father, God the Son, or God the Word, and God the Holy Ghost. In the beginning, God created, everybody say created, the heavens and the earth. Now notice verse 2. And the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Now, do you notice something must have happened between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2 because God did not create the earth in darkness. Are you with me? Now, as we study redemption a little further, you'll see what happened. I'll just throw it out to you a little bit. But see, God created the heavens and the earth and He created them in order and He created them the way He wanted to. But then a problem took place up in heaven. There was a little cherub named Lucifer. He had a throne. The Bible said he had a throne. That means he had a position of authority. He thought he would take and exalt that throne above the throne of God. Jesus said of, of, of Lucifer, of Satan, He said, I beheld him fall, how? Like lightning from heaven. That means that God, the Word, took Lucifer, the one that caused insurrection, and threw him out of heaven so fast it looked like lightning hitting the ground. But when he hit the earth, he didn't even have enough ability, enough ability to keep the lights on. Are you with me? Now, I don't know. There might have been 50 years in between verses 1 and 2. There may have been 5 million years between verses 1 and 2. I don't know how many years or eons of time went by between these two verses, but eventually God looked down and He said this, it's time for creation to begin to take place on another level. It's time for creation to begin to happen. It's time for me to begin to release my word so that I can have what I desire. Amen? Now notice what it says here. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God, everybody say the Spirit of God. That's the Holy Ghost. It says He moved. God moved upon the face of the waters. That shows us the first characteristic of the Spirit of God is that He is active. Everybody say active. I've said it like this for years. The Holy Ghost has never quit moving. It's man that quits moving. I said it's man that quits moving. When we make a decision, we're going to be moving with the Holy Ghost, then I guarantee you God will bless us. It says in verse 3, and God said, let there be light. Oh, I like the next part of that. Guess what happened? There was light. Notice, God said, let. We see the God the Father, God the Word. You say, what do you mean God the Word? Right there, that word let. There's Jesus right there. Let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light. I like this. And it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. 
and the evening and the morning were the first day. Everybody say the first day. God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament and from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. Everybody say second day. And God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let dry land appear, and it was so. Now, there's a lot of teaching and speculation and, and you know, different people you can read after. But obviously, there was something unique about this creation in which God was doing when he brought the land up out of the waters and dry land to begin to appear, and he called it earth. Now, I don't know if they've ever... My, my uh, geography class back when I was in the eighth grade, I had a teacher that was fascinated by the ability to be able to take the, all of the continents and move them around and fit them together. You ever seen somebody do that? It's one of the wildest things you've ever seen about how you can actually take uh, South America and you can push it back up toward Africa and bring these continents down and all this kind of stuff and actually make one landmass out of it. And it says this, obviously at one time on the earth there was one landmass. Well, it took us about 2,000, 3,000, 6,000 years to figure that out. God showed it to us in the beginning. Amen. He said he called the firmament heaven. The evening and the morning was the second day. God said, let the waters of the heaven be gathered together into one place. Let dry land appear. God called the dry land earth. The gathering together of the waters he called the seas. And God saw that it was good. Now notice verse 11. And God said, let the earth bring forth. Everybody say, bring forth. Grass and herb yielding seed, the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. Now, the third day, we see the beginning of God putting into creation laws. Everybody say laws. These are Genesis laws. These are laws that have never been suspended, laws that have never gone away, and the first law of Genesis is this. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. That's the first law of Genesis. Every seed reproduces after its own kind. That right there dispel, totally dispels the theory of evolution. I heard, I heard an old preacher, an old preacher year, years ago said, the probability of evolution is as probable as a tornado hitting a junkyard and producing a 747 jet airliner. It just ain't going to happen. I said, it just ain't going to happen. Man is too complex. Even the plant world, you can't help. You, you take a leaf and you look at it and hold it up to the light and then place it under a microscope and you look at all what, it, what can be seen, what can't be seen, the cells, the molecules. It is fascinating. I said, it is absolutely fascinating how God has put the planet together. Then you take it down to the next level. You take it down to the atomic level. And then now they've come up with even what's called the quarks. Has anybody heard the quarks? There was an article in 1996 Newsweek magazine, The Mystery of the Quarks. They brought it down, uh, matter down to the smallest piece of matter they could find. And they said all matter, everything that is material is made up of this. You know what they figured out that it was? A sound wave. That at that level of microscopic existence, sound waves take on material. I think we kind of figured it out when God said 
and God said, and the earth, and the stars, and the moon, and the sun, and the trees, and the herbs, and the grass, and all that begin to come forth, that was the Word of God in manifestation. Hallelujah. I get excited when I read this kind of stuff. Verse 14, God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and for years. You notice man had never been able to interrupt the process or the cycle of the seasons. No matter how smart he is. I heard this deal the other day about weather manipulation. How, how, how all these people are doing this stuff. The, the, what do they call it? The chemtrails in the sky. And, and they're trying to make you know, fall into, into winter, winter into spring, spring. And how they're going to take and shift the seasons. They're not going to do it. Quit listening to that late night radio stuff. Amen? No, they're not going to do that. Let them be for lights in the firmaments of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And he made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. I like this one. He made the stars also. Where did the stars come from? He made them. We were, in, we were in Colorado a couple of weeks ago, and we got to go up into the mountains on a sleigh ride. They took two big draft horses and hooked them to this sleigh, and we went up to this ranch house, and they cooked steaks, and we had a good time. But I'll tell you what, we don't see the stars here like you see them when you're up in the mountains in Colorado. I looked up in the stars, and I'm telling you, there is no way. Could you imagine when God talked talk to Abraham and said, So shall thy seed be as innumerable as the stars? He didn't have all these city lights and all this kind of stuff to dim down the sky. You look up into the sky, and there's, you, couldn't, you can't take a square inch of the sky and number the stars in that square inch. My goodness. Mm-mm-mm. God set them in the firmament. Of the heaven, why? To give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, the fowl that it may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters bringeth forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl, after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Notice verse 22. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth, and the evening and the morning were the fifth day. Now, a couple of things here. Number one, we see the second law. You say, what's the second law? The law of blessing. God blesses. Oh, this is so important. A lot of people don't understand this law, so they live outside the blessing of God. But the second law we see is the law of blessing, and that is the law which says, God says, I will bless what I put my hand to. That's why I don't want to go over here and say, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Would you come bless this? Or come over here and say, okay, Lord, this is what I'm going to do. Could you come bless this? No, I want to stand right in the middle of the will of God and say, God, you bless what you do. You bless what you do, so I want to do what you do. I want to be right in the middle of your will, right in the middle of what you do, right in the middle of what, because I know you put a law in the earth that you bless what you do. You bless the work of your hands. You bless the work of what you want to be involved in. So I don't try to come up with things and say, well, well, you know, I think this is a good idea. Why don't you bless that? That never works. It's outside the law. Amen? But now secondly... Creation of the animal world. Now, we've gone in a ditch on this thing, Lord, as a human race, where that we try to equate the value. Now, listen to me. Don't get me wrong. 
We try to equate the value of the animal world and creation and we devalue God, the Creator, by valuing creation more than we value the Creator. Listen, I'm not into Mother Earth. I have no problem eating a chicken. He would say, how can you eat that cute chicken? My God, it's not hard. Knock him in the head, pull his feathers off, a little flour, a little oil, and we're having fried chicken on Sunday. Don't you have great remorse in you for killing one of God's creations? Look at me, look at me. No! I saw a lady on TV, some country western singer from up in Canada. Certainly, Texas wouldn't produce anybody like that. Had their arm around this cow. And they literally looked into the television camera and said, how in the world can you look into the eyes of this creation of God and kill it and eat it? I thought, it ain't hard. Medium rare with a little A1 sauce on the side. No problemo. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not for wholesale butchering everything that comes. I'm a vol- I like to duck hunt, and I'm involved in two organizations. One of them in particular has secured over a million acres of property up on them breeding grounds where they help and protect those wonderful ducks because I like to eat them. They come down. The Bible says every good and perfect, perfect, perfect thing cometh down from above. from above. Amen. And the fish of the sea. Lord, we get on the front of the boat. We say, thank you, Father. You've given us dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl. Listen, those things are given for humanity. And let me just say this. We're not going to deplete them. Now, we need to be be good conservationists and take care of what God has given us. But as far as them having more value in the eyes of God, they do not have more value. God has given those things for His creation. The reason for the creation of the stars and the heavens and the sun and the moon is the earth. The reason for the creation of the earth and all that is in the earth is man. The reason for the creation of man is God's father heart. He wants a family. Are you with me? Can I get a better amen than that? Now, if you're a vegetarian, well, praise God, you know, just hang in there. We'll get you to a steak dinner real quick. (laughs) Hallelujah. God bless them, saying, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas. Let the fowl multiply in the earth. The evening and the morning were the fourth day. God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Cattle, here we go again. After his kind, after his kind, after his kind. The law of Genesis. After his kind. Creeping thing. Beast of the earth. After his kind. It was so. God made the beast of the earth after his kind. The cattle after their kind. And everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. That's why man cannot take and crossbreed the species. It does not work. You take, a, you take a donkey and a horse, you can produce a mule, but you can't produce two mules that will produce a mule. Did you know that? You can take seed and you can cross it and produce a hybrid plant, but out of that hybrid plant, every hybrid plant that you produce, the seed is dormant. You say, why? Because man can't produce a seed. With all of his technology, with all of his ability, with all the science that God has given him, with all the knowledge that he has, he cannot produce a seed. Only God can produce a seed. 
Now notice verse 26. How's my time? Oh, I'm doing good. Verse 26. And God said, now notice the phrase, let us. Everybody say us. That means God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now notice this. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth. Now notice this. And over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them. Now notice this. God created man first in his likeness and in his image. Now this is an important point because we're going to get to chapter 2 in just a second and see where God gave man a body and gave man a soul. Gave him a mind, gave him emotions, and gave him the ability to make a choice. That's called the human will. Are you with me? But before God gave man a body, God created man in his likeness and in his image. Number one, you've got to get a hold of this. Number one, you are created a spirit being. You are a spirit being. Let me say it again. You are. The real you is a spirit being. The real you is not what looks back at you in the mirror every morning. The real you is not what you tuck into bed every night and get out of bed every morning. The real you is a spirit being made in the likeness, everybody say likeness, and image, everybody say image, of God. So we take verses 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way through 26, and we allow the Word of God to paint the picture of the image of that which we're created after. What do we see of God? If I were to give you a test, if this was a Bible school setting, I'd say, now go write a report. Only use Genesis 1, verses 1 through 26. You write out the image of God. What do you see? You would see a being that creates by what he says. That simple. You would see a being that is a creator that creates what, his, what he said. From the spirit realm to the natural realm. Actually, and we'll study this later in our teaching on redemption. By the force of faith. God is a faith God. What he believes in his heart, what he confesses with his mouth, comes into existence. And we went on a little sailing trip. And we were coming back. And Breland had fallen asleep in my lap, so I'm talking to this captain. And I'm witnessing to him. And he's, he's involved in Scientology, and he's real mind over matter and all this kind of stuff. And so I was really having a hard time getting an inroad into seeing him, into, in, in, uh, giving any light to him whatsoever. Until finally the Holy Ghost gave me an idea. I said to him, because he had a business in San Francisco that he had sold, in order to fund what he desired to do down there in Tamarindo, Costa Rica, in which he had bought a nice sailboat to take people out sailing, and nine condominiums which they rented or leased out to people. So I said to him, how would you end up coming to Costa Rica? He said, well, you know we had a business in, in, in California. He began to recover. I said, no, 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 no. I said, how would you end up coming to Costa Rica? So he started again, and I stopped him again. No, 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 no. I said, That's not. I said how did you come to come to Costa Rica? And so he looked at me like, will you tell me, buddy? So I said, I'm fixing to tell you how you got to come to live in Costa Rica. I said, you had a business in San Francisco. You've already told me that. I said, you must have been discouraged. I said, you must have been tired of it. He said, man, I was. I was tired of driving the freeways, dealing with the public. So one day you begin to think about 
moving to Costa Rica. I said, you'd probably come down here and see me. He said, yeah, my wife and I had made a, a vacation trip down here. We saw it. We loved it. I said, so you begin to think about, without ever saying anything, you know, maybe we can sell that business. Maybe we can generate enough money to buy some condos and a boat and go down and live our dream in Costa Rica. And I said, one day you came home from your business and you said with your mouth, honey, I think we're going to sell the business and move to Costa Rica. He looked at me, his eyes got that big. He said, you know, that's exactly what happened. I said, when you said that, the process started, didn't it? He looked at me, his eyes got even bigger. He said, you're exactly right. And I said, the whole process from you selling your business till the time you came down to Costa Rica and settled here, managing nine condos and taking your boat out, taking people out snorkeling in the ocean here. I said, the whole process evolved in such a way in which all you ever really did was believe it in your heart and speak it with your mouth and set it into motion and followed what you believed in your heart and confessed your mouth till you ended up down there. He looked at me and he said, how'd you know that? You must be a mind reader. I said, no. I said, that's the very law that God put into the earth when he, create, when he created man in his likeness and enemy. Then I had him hooked. Because, see, he was trying to be good enough. Scientology, if I think good thoughts. I had him hooked then. I said, that's why it is required of the sinner a belief in the heart and a confession of the mouth. And the Word of God gives you faith to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth so that you may obtain the salvation God has already provided you through redemption. Boy, you could have heard a pin drop on that sailboat. We sailed on back. I stood there, I said, you know, you want to pray right now? He stood back and said, you know, you've given me a lot to think about. I said, don't think too long. So hopefully that young man gave his heart to the Lord. But thank God that he showed me in the Word. And that's the way it is with every person. What you believe in your... You say, well, Pastor, I'm going in the wrong direction. Change what you're saying. Change what you're believing in your heart. Get the Word of God in your heart. Get it in your mouth. Speak it over and over and over continually. And when discouragement comes and when it looks like it doesn't work, then just put your hands up and give God that sacrifice of praise and glorify Him that His Word works because that's the way He created the whole thing. Mm -mm. But now notice something else. We see another law. The law of dominion. Everybody say dominion. God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over all the cattle, over all the earth. And notice what else he says. Over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth, God knew that there was an entity that had been loosed upon the earth that was a criminal spirit. You know what God's saying here? I'm going to let my man have dominion. He's going to have dominion over all of my creation. I'm going to form the earth. I'm going to give it to him in its entirety. I'm not going to hold nothing back. I, oh, this is hard to say because a lot of people will fight you, but this is reality. I will be God in heaven. I will be God over all the universe of the stars, the sun, the sky. But I will take my man and he will be God with a little g, God on the earth. He will rule. He will have dominion. But be careful. There is a snake coming. That's why he said take dominion over the animals, the fish, the fowls, and what? They were not without warning. They were not without warning. God said, 
Behold, I've given you. Oh, excuse me. And God blessed them. There's the law of blessing again. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Now that word right there creates a controversy because replenish means to plenish again. So we'll touch on that at another time. Replenish the earth, subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth, every tree which is in the, in the fruit of the tree, tree yielding seed, it shall be unto you for meat. And lo, every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Good, got five minutes. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all of his work, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that he had rested from all of his work, which God had created, and which he had made. Then it talks about the generations, the heavens, the earth. But now go down to verse 7. Go down to verse 7. It says, and God formed man. Now over in chapter 1, it says God made man. Now it says God formed formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. Now, man is existing in chapter 1. He's existing in the same dimension in which God is existing in. You say, what dimension is that? He's existing in the spirit realm. Now understand this. You've got to understand that God created a standard by His Word. And He does not step outside the standard of that Word, especially when it comes to spirit beings, when it comes to the angelic, when it comes to the demonic. There's a whole lot we could teach in there, and we'll touch on some of that as we go. But you must understand there is something that gives you a license. You have a license to be upon the earth today. That means you can legally be here. Everybody say legally. What legally gives you a license to be upon the earth is this thing right here. This flesh. This body. This, 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 no matter how old, how young, how pretty or ugly, how skinny or fat, that's your license. Without your license, you cannot be here. Now let me say something because there's a lot of people, well I know there's the ghost of Gene Lafitte over on 14th Street doing it. Listen. I told the early service this. I was so disappointed to hear that there's actually a tour in Galveston where you can go around different places, see all these haunted houses, all these ghosts. There are no ghosts. If you are a human being, you either have a license to be upon the earth, which is your physical body, or you're absent from that body in heaven with God or in hell with the devil. Are you with me? There's no ghost. You say, but I tell you, I saw a light dim. There is a criminal element loosed upon the earth. We'll look at that later. There is a criminal element, the demonic realm, Satan and all his cohorts. They're illegal, but they are also bound by the Word of God. There are certain things they can do, certain things they cannot do. But the majority of all the manifestations of the, quote, supernatural, woo, 
All that is is little old demons and imps going around doing stupid things, trying to make people believe there's something that there's not. But if you are a human being, you are either in one of three places. You are either in heaven with the Father, you are in a body which is your license to be upon the earth, or you're in hell because you did not accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. One of three places, that's it. So God took man, his creation, and he reached down into the earth, the dust of the ground. That's why that's all this is, is dirt. So many people have such a problem because all they do is live by the dirt report. They get up in the morning and ask, how, how does the dirt feel? What does the dirt want to do? How is, why is the dirt unhappy? Let's make the dirt happy. It's just dirt. Come on, church. Now here's the deal. He took and formed out of the earth and then the Bible says breathe. Everybody say breathe. That's the word ruah, the breath of God. We get the same word actually from the Hebrew to the Greek, same word, same translation. All scripture is given by inspiration. That's the same word, by the ruah of God. He breathed into this lump of clay his life. And when he did, man stood upright. He stood upright upon the ground standing in what gave him the license to be up on the earth. And he became a living soul. That means this spirit being took upon him flesh, and when he took upon him flesh, then what formed by the flesh and the hand of Almighty God was man's soul. His mind, his emotions, and his will. His mind, which was the way he thought. His emotions, which was the way he felt. And his will, which was the choices he made. Man became a living soul. Now that's important. My time's up, but this is why it's important. We've got to see that God didn't create a robot, an automaton, some kind of being that would... God wanted a family that loved him because of who he was. Because he was a good, loving God. And God created man with a choice, and man still has a choice today. He will never remove that choice from man. Even if you're a believer, he still does not violate your choice. You have a choice. And here stood God's man in God's creation. Now let me close by saying this. God never created man to die. He created man to live in the realm of timelessness with his body being energized continually by the glory of God that was in his human spirit. That's why one day we'll get a glorified body, which is the last payment of our redemption. He never created man to be sick. He never created man to be depressed or poor. We'll see next week as we begin our teaching. He never created man to be lonely. He never created man to be without a purpose. Later in the chapter, we see where God told man to name the animals and to subdue the earth. He didn't give man a job. He gave man a purpose. Are you with me? God didn't create man to have what man has today. The sickness, the disease, the depravity, the war, the, 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 all of the hurt and the pain. If you think that hurts us, how much must it hurt God? But thank God, one man, caused us sin and death by sin. Romans chapter 5. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Which means in proportion to what happens to man through the fall, 
what God has done for us in Christ is such a great compensation that there's no way to measure it. There's no measurement on earth that can measure how big our God is. Amen. Lift your hands up and worship Him just for a moment. Father, we bless Your name. We thank You for Jesus, for His goodness, for His grace, for His mercy. We thank You that although one man may have sinned, one man did redeem us. And Father, we thank You even creation was affected by the fall. But Father, in the completeness of Your redemptive work, even creation itself will be healed. And we thank You for it, Father. Lord, we thank You that Jesus came to the earth the last Adam, God's eternal sacrifice so that we might have the life of God that He created man to have. We thank You for it in Jesus' name. Never head bowed, ever eye closed. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services Sunday morning, 1045. Tuesday prayer, 730. Thursday evening, Midweek service, 7.30. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.